Okay, are we live? We're welcome. Welcome to the trending podcast. Uh, studio audience. This is Radio Voice. Is very happy. Oh, we've got a, 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 a raucous applause. Uh, I am here with two good friends and two great pastors, uh, AJ Thomas and Mike Miller. Guys, where are you from? Uh, Deepwater Church, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yep, and Mike? Nova Church in Halifax. These guys uh, have become, I've known AJ for a number of years and Mike just in the last couple years and uh, just become good friends. And it's a real privilege to have you guys here to help us kind of continue our journey in the trending series and on our podcast. And so it's been, it's a real privilege to have you here. We've, we've done something over the last couple episodes of the podcast with our different hosts and stuff. We've asked the question, who is your celebrity lookalike? And so uh, Pastor Andy on staff is uh, Drew Carey, apparently. <laughs> and uh, David is Tom Brady. Uh, I've been told DiCaprio. Uh, I think that's generous. <laughs> I think but, that is generous. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think someone was looking for a raise or a promotion. They, they might have been. They might have been. But uh, who who is your celebrity look like? Who you've been told? Uh, I've back in the day, especially Chris Farley. I'd get that a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You had, and you had the uh, you had the like the mushroom cut. Too, oh, I right? had the hair. You had the blonde, had the and you thing. had the yeah. van down by the river too. It, it was not an unfair comparison. <laughs> <laughs> it was not an unfair comparison. And I, and actually, uh, yeah, I could. There's a whole thing about how Chris Farley died at 33, and Jesus died at 33, and Jesus is who I'm trying to be like, and Chris Farley's who I'm trying not to be like. Um, because I think my default is probably to be more like Chris Farley than it is to be like Jesus. <laughs> Working on the Jesus thing, but, uh, but yeah, that would be my that would be my celebrity uh, my celebrity lookalike. I, I'm glad, just for the record, you made it past 33. Thank you. So, yeah, it's good. Thanks, you're good not to, on drugs. It's good to have you here. I have, no, I'm I'm, I'm I'm hoping to. Uh, you're not Jesus to make it for quite a while, but you're not Chris Farley. Exactly. So that's that's the tension we'll, I live in. We'll take it on a scale of Jesus to Chris Farley. <laughs> Where are you? Are you more Jesus or Farley? <laughs> Actually, the, uh, Farley was a Catholic. Yeah, like, devout he was Catholic. A pretty Went devout, to mass every week. You know, he's definitely addicted he definitely to drugs. Mass, but yeah, yeah. Yep. but uh, yeah, pretty. I'm hoping. You know, I think he's in heaven. Got all figured out now. Well, as Catholic, so. he's someone's still lighting candles to try to get him into heaven. That might be it. Maybe but he's, eventually, he's in purgatory. When or, we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, it'll come Farley <laughs> out of purgatory. Finally, good to yes. go. Uh, for those of our our listeners who are new believers, um, <laughs> purgatory. Try deep water on Sundays. Pur- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll leave you ten times more confused than you came. That's right. Yeah, and then Mike, who do you, who have you been told? Uh, once uh, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I can yes. see that. And then I'm going to date myself with this one, but Freddie Prince Jr. on a flight. Nice. Someone thought I was Freddie Prince Jr., but... Wow. Teenage I not, heartthrob. I was not in first class, so no, I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Freddie Prince would have fallen pretty pretty far to be uh, back in coach. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> he would have. <laughs> so where he is today, actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what Freddie's up to these days. <laughs> He's in co- lost in coach somewhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's super nice to have you guys. So we've been talking about a bunch of things. There's a few topics we haven't covered yet. So, you know, just to let you guys bring you up to speed, we're doing this series called Trending. Just looking at like the different topics that are facing the average believer that we just felt like we should talk about. So like the first week we talked about identity and gender. Uh, We talked about sexuality. Uh, We talked about politics, equality, justice, just all the stuff that's kind of right in front of you. 
And then this 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 podcast is going to cover the last few topics. So we, we still have yet to talk in podcast form about substances. Uh, we talked about discouragement and suicide, depression, despair, just that whole you know mental illness continuum. Um, and then just, just fighting discouragement. We all do that. Um, and then technology, life in the digital age. So I love to crack these conversations over. Yeah, One of the things we've sure. found is this format has actually helped us answer a lot more questions. I don't know. You guys are both mm. fantastic preachers. And you know, sometimes when you do a sermon, you really can, it's more of a sniper rifle than it is a yeah. shotgun. And you're not able to answer all the questions. And I've felt in this series, like I've actually, you know, we just made fun of deep water for doing this. I've actually created more questions than answered them. But my job from the preaching standpoint was just to kind of give a biblical framework. And then this has really been effective in us just being able to kind of kick conversations around. People have sent in questions and it's just, it's been super helpful. I'm excited for it. Yeah. So let's get the ball rolling. Let's talk about, let's talk about substances. Let's talk about. Yes, please. You know, the the reason, the reason we. (laughs) More Lord. Yeah. The reason we uh, decided to even cover this was, you know, we have a church of people who come from a variety of backgrounds. Some of them. I have an upbringing like me in more of a religious, uh, conservative culture where alcohol was forbidden. Um, and don't, then we have a lot don't of, drink, dance, or chew, or hang with those that do. Yeah, in yeah. fact, I quoted that line in my sermon. Yeah, yeah so that's that was in your Bible too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. so some, but we have a ton of folks who either you know they're they're new to Christianity, which is amazing, um, or they come from a Christian tradition that alcohol wasn't an issue. And then you drop the whole uh, cannabis thing on top of it, and that, that yeah. we had to have a conversation about it. Funny enough, I was in your guys' neck of the woods uh, a week ago and preached at our Halifax campus about substances, and I and I got up and I said, uh, you know, well, we need to talk about this because cannabis is legal now in Canada, and somebody, like, all but just got up and slow clapped, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, uh, boy, we are... We got a lot to talk about, so <laughs> yeah. so let me let me lob some questions that came in in no particular order. Uh, here, here's this this one's great. So some churches, let's just get substances going. Some churches and denominations condone the use of alcohol. So so some, like I just said, some traditions like no, never, while others do not. Uh, why is the church not in alignment on this subject? And what is right? Mm-hmm. Who's right? It's a great question. You want to do it, Mike? You lead it up, and then I'll clean it up. Uh, I think the thing that, uh, I mean, any church that's looking to talk about what the Bible teaches uh, is going to be in agreement that that being drunk is a bad plan. Right. Uh, And you don't have to have very much wisdom, frankly, to see that, you know, very few situations in life are fixed by being drunk. Generally, people make worse decisions, do stupid yeah. stuff, mm. uh, some stuff just stupid and some stuff stupid and sinful. Um, but it's it's not a great way to go. And so I think uh, although there are maybe some traditions where they don't talk about it as much or, or speak against drunkenness as much, uh, I think anyone who's who's kind of trying to follow the teaching of Scripture would have to agree on that. So then when it comes down to uh, kind of the idea of responsible consumption right. or – uh, you know, uh, social drinking, that kind of thing, like not drinking to get drunk, but having a beer while you watch the game or having yeah. some wine with a meal. Uh, where different churches land on that is is greatly influenced by kind of the history of those denominations, where they where their roots were. Right. Um, I know for the the denominational family that our church is a part of, 
Uh, you know, a lot of our early days were in these frontier towns, kind of hard living towns where, you know, alcohol consumption was a thing you did to blow your family's paycheck uh, right. at the bar after you got done your shift at the mine or whatever, right. you know. And it was just heavily detrimental to families. There wasn't any concept in those areas of, you know, uh, a fine glass of wine. Like drinking or a, responsibly. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't even on the radar. And uh, and so that tradition tends to have uh, a much more staunch stance against alcohol, whereas, uh, you know, in other places, other traditions or, or, you know, in other areas of the world, Europe and that sort of thing, where there is that uh, some places have more of a, a tradition and an idea of a cultural concept right. of social, uh, socially responsible drinking. It's it's a more acceptable thing. Uh, and so for me, that the stance on that comes down not so much to a question of what is uh, out and out sin versus what is acceptable, but more about what is wise and what is helpful. That's good. Right. And, uh, and so I know for me personally, uh, I'm terrible at moderation. Right. Uh, you know, I often say I can't, I can't do chocolate chip cookies in moderation. What are the odds I can do alcohol yeah. in moderation? And so or special cookies. I, oh yeah. Brownies. The, cookie, the brownies and cookies you can, you can buy now. We'll talk, or about, gummy we'll talk about that next. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, so for me, it, it makes sense uh, to be kind of a teetotaler uh, as, a, as a kind of wisdom thing. Right. And as a, uh, you know, for myself, I wouldn't trust myself to know where that line is. So denominations, so, have, denominations have put that down from a, not necessarily there's a biblical uh, reason for that. But a, a wisdom reason as yeah. to, hey, this, leads to bad, this is leading us to bad places. So totally. for our family... Yep. You know, we're going to not do that at exactly. all. And, well, the and reason it helps keep us away. Sorry, it helps keep us away from like it's it's kind of a where's the cliff, but where do you put the fence? Right. right. And so, uh, you know, if you if you come from a tradition where people like to climb the fence and jump on it, then you want that fence a little further away right. from the cliff. Right. Which was that kind of wild west frontier town thing. Uh, whereas if you, you know, are from a place where people know how to climb a fence and just sit and enjoy the view. Maybe it makes sense or, or it can be Whenever acceptable. Whenever you see a rule in a church, because someone was stupid once. Right. Like, if you ever see a sign that says, no coffee in the sanctuary, it's because someone took coffee in, and one day they spilt it on the keyboard. Right. And then there was a sign on the door. So um, we have to preach the Bible. This is what we were guilty of years ago as missionaries. We'd go into a, co- a country and another culture, and we would try to give them our culture, not the gospel. Right. So we have to preach the gospel. Um, but then you live your convictions and we have to understand the different it's not wrong to have a beer biblically right. it's not wrong to have a beer right um but where's that line of drunk depending on how hungry you are how much you weigh what kind of day you had is three beers um holy and four beer sin um for me the challenge too is culture is is fading away meaning before it was england was a different culture than brazil but now because of the internet and technology you know, the Harlem Shake trended in Bogota, and it trended in Halifax, and it trended in Moscow. Right. So now in live time, we're seeing in the church context, leaders that we respect and love or admire, and in their behind-the-scenes stories, you know, they're, they're having a pint. And all of a sudden, because we, we identify with their teaching, their style, their culture, we start absorbing their culture. So we have to know where we are, and I think the bigger question is, you know, I think there's this thing of leadership. We think leadership is freedom. Leadership is actually the opposite of freedom. Um, you know, the present the, the present day president of the United States would not be a good example. But let me go back to the previous one, Obama. If he took a day off and went golfing, he would have got crucified over that because of problems going on all over the world. 
if I took a day off from golfing, no one's going to cause a problem. He has more power and more leadership than I do. Right. I think we have to ask the question is what's beneficial? Yeah. You know, Paul said it's not what's sinful, it's what's beneficial. Yeah. Is it helpful? And, you know, my father came out of a – he was an alcoholic. My, uh, my, my grandfather was an alcoholic. And I say it this way that, um, you know, because I've seen my generation kind of like, hey, we're free to do what we want. Is why would it be that my personal conviction – this is not gospel. Gospel is drunk is, you know, is a sin. For me, why would it be the bondage that God freed my father from would be the freedom he took me into? Right. So for me, and what you do as leaders in moderation, your followers will do in access. And, Hmm. you know, so, you know, I might say a certain curse word, but my kids will go further. If I watch a certain level of movie and humor, they'll go further. If I'm having, um, for me personally, this is my conviction, if I'm having a glass of wine on my anniversary, my kids might be wanting to have a beer with their buddies when they're old enough at, on wing night. Right. Um, so for me, it's mindful of the end game. It's bigger than what my preference is. Yeah. It's yeah. what am I? Because what you reward, you reproduce. Yes. That's my mindset. So we, so we in our in my sermon, we I kind of laid it out this exact same way you guys are saying. I said, okay, let's look at the Bible first, and the Bible does not say alcohol in and of itself, or cannabis for that matter, is yeah. wrong. It just says intoxication is wrong. But then there's the question of, you know, what, you know, what's good, you know, uh, uh, is it bad? Is a JV level, entry level Christian question to ask, is it good is a better question. That's where Paul's getting the, not just because you're loud doesn't mean it's beneficial. Mm -hmm. So I kind of worked on this framework for our people. I said, here's a, here's kind of a discerning path that you can take for figuring out if something's going to be good, good or not. Is it good for me? So that's a wisdom question, right? Like of, mm-hmm. hey, when I get drunk, do good things happen? Um, is it I've, good got a, I've got a friend who always says, I've never met anyone who said my life was going terrible, but then I started drinking. <laughs> right? Like it's yeah. never the turnaround point in anyone's life. And then I met yeah. Jack yeah. Daniels. But I got hammered. Yeah. And just everything changed. Just, and life got better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so there's that one. And I think I think probably in the church more people need to just be honest with that one even like mm-hmm. it's just probably not been good for you uh but there are some people that they can check that off and say i can control it i never get drunk ever i just enjoy beer i, I craft my own you know yeah. like i think there are people that can obviously check that off and keep going then the second question was you know it's not just one responsibility as christians to ask is it good for me the other one is is it good for uh, good for you yeah like is it good for others like because i can't be a source of weakness for you like Huge. if you're my brother mm-hmm. and you have an alcohol problem it's a sin for me to expose right. you to that and make your struggle harder. Absolutely. Right? So that's that was the second question. Then the third one I said was, is it God's for me? Sometimes God will just ask to have something, even though it's not sin or not. Yep. Mm-hmm. He'll just say, I want that from you. Um, but this is what I want to ask you guys is I think where the church has gone into trouble has been taking a standard. Because that's what you were talking about was uh, a leader or someone who's following Jesus even as you mature in that, he's going to he's going to set standards on you. He's going to call you to higher standards, whether it's for how you're leading your family, what's good for you. He's going to place standards there, and he wants to fill those with with his own blessing and all that. I think the problem that we've seen in the church, even with this and in many other things, is when we take a standard that was discerned personally. Again, your conviction, use that word. You take a standard and you apply it to someone else, right? So it's like the missionaries coming and bringing a cultural standard yeah. Yeah. to people in Africa yep. who don't have that culture. Um, I, I think that's probably what's been hard for the average person to maybe navigate. 
has been maybe handing the the law without the revelation. Well, rules yeah. without relationship always breed rebellion. Yeah. And so that's why the relationship is the why. So, like, as a church, a pastor of a, a 14-month-old church in Halifax, um, people have different convictions. I'll use alcohol, for example, my team. Um, and some of them you see on their Insta stories, glass of wine, having a beer, whatever. And we've wrestled with, is that right or wrong? And we go back to biblical. But then we've said, but if you're going to be a part of this church, when you lead something, when you put that hat on, you're going to lead a small group. You're going to go it as a ministry group. You're going to, if it puts under the, the umbrella of Nova, we're alcohol-free in that event. And then I start unpacking the why. For example, you don't know someone in your small group who's actually recovering from uh, being an alcoholic. You don't know. And I try to give them not just the rule but the relationship. Mm. I always say put a face on your fight. And the problem is sometimes with organized denominations is we lose the face in the fight and all we get is the rule with the relationship. So that's why we've got to navigate this as emerging leaders, young leaders, and take the time to put a face on it. So the second I put my father's face on it with alcohol, people are like, oh, okay, okay, so I understand why it's personal to you. Right. And I think we have to always it – always, it always starts and ends with people. Mm. And that's why organizations, we've got to always fight to make it personal and put a face on our fights. Yeah, that's huge. I, I think, too, with the uh, – I guess what I love about the kind of that filter that you set up, Brent, is so often uh, I think we have been guilty of handing down the conclusion – Without, with, the, without the process, yes, right? Exactly. And it's kind of, I don't know, I, I go back to my grade school days, right, where the teacher was always like, show your work. Show your, like, don't just tell me what the answer is. Show your work. Yes. And so if you just tell someone this is wrong and you don't explain why or this is unhelpful mm-hmm. and you don't explain why or this is unwise or this is a, a standard we hold leaders to or whatever uh, and you don't show that work, it feels incredibly arbitrary. Yes. Uh, and when someone can't kind of instantly see the reason behind it, then that arbitrariness kind of breeds contempt, right? right? It's like, well, that's stupid. That's just a rule you made. And rebellion. Yeah, yeah. and it also, there's no, there's nothing transferable about it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, I had a conversation with uh, a friend of mine from a, a denominational background that uh, tends to historically have a less than healthy relationship with alcohol. And uh, and he was asking, like, when the whole cannabis legalization thing came, he was like, what are you guys going to do with that? What are you? And I was like, for us, it's a very... It's very simple. Like, it's just alcohol again. Yeah. All right. But because we kind of have that thought process and have that history and know, like, we know how to explain the, the issues with intoxication, mm-hmm. um, then it's to a certain extent. I'm not saying they're the same substance, yes. but I mean, to a certain extent, you it's kind of the same framework. Yeah. It's in, and I think when we teach our people those frameworks or those filters, when we walk them through the kind of those steps and the things we need to be thinking about and, yeah. and the consideration of, of other people. I mean, that's huge for me. Uh, we, uh, CR is a big thing. Celebrate recovery is a big yeah, thing in our too. church. And like the last thing I want is somebody who's in recovery in CR seeing something in my life that they could take way out of context and completely misconstrue, right. but still uses an excuse yes. for, well, I can have a beer because right. AJ can have a beer or whatever, right? And I do think that's part of that. Like, I'm not saying everyone needs to be that way, but for me in, in leadership, I feel like that's where I need to be. It's being yeah, Christ-like, when, right, to yeah, do that? But when you show people, when you show people that process, then they not only can go, oh, there's where the conclusion comes from, but then they can do that in other things in but their that's life. why it's good to, I like to show your work. There needs to be room for people to... to decide for themselves there's this there's this old belief that good christians don't ask questions 
Mm. Great Christians ask questions. That's why – and if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you need to. You guys were trending nationally. You guys – I think last time I looked was like top 20 in the nation because it's opening up. This would have been unheard of 10 years ago in my context. So I remember – here's my story. I grew up like having a beer because, again, my father's story. You know, my mother was depressed. She almost killed me and my sister and herself. Suicide, murder. Um, My dad, because of his alcoholism, this whole story. Having a beer was the same level as like – um, killing kittens. Actually, I don't even like kittens. So that's not fair. Um, it, it was like the worst sin ever. And I'm sitting in England with a church working for a summer at 19. And I'm sitting with the most godly men and women that fear God, love God, pass yeah. with the church. And they're having a board meeting, having a pint. Yes. And I remember wrestling with, I want to be like these people. I can feel the God cravings in them. Yeah. But my mind was having this war of, but they're having beer in their yeah. hand. They can't love Jesus. So then I remember yeah. I went to this pub crawl with them because they're watching soccer and I remember I had my pint a first pint and I'm sitting there and I had one pint I didn't understand anything about alcohol I was 20 years of age and I'm walking down the street and I was asking myself we're talking about revival at the time the Toronto blessing and I remember saying am I drunk right now I don't know if I'm drunk and I remember I remember a true story walking down Plymouth England cobblestone streets where the Mayflower came to the new world and I walked over in the middle of a conversation to the curb and tried to walk the curb I was completely fine but I remember being so I remember wrestling with these people love God, but I, I didn't understand. I had to wrestle with it. At the end of it, I came through with my own beliefs. Um, my parents framed it. But we have to wrestle with these things. That's yeah, why yeah. it has to be a conversation. Yeah. And I have, like, I don't drink. One, because I'm affiliated with the denomination. I said I wouldn't. They put that on me, and I agreed to it. So out of just honor to that and God, I don't. But even if that weren't the case— my own personal conviction because of being in a, in a leadership role. I'm not, I'm just not going to. Yep. However, I have many pastor friends and people from other churches and people in our own church community that drink responsibly and it doesn't, they love Jesus. Yeah. But as a, as a religious kid, like same thing. Yeah. I had, I had, I had a journey to make there too, because I was just taught Yeah. that's the devil, you know? And, and that's just not a, a substance is an inanimate object. It, there, there's implications with it, but it's it's not what it is. It's why you why you use it, like why you're going to it, and how. I think is the question you have to that's ask. A, that's another thing I think is super helpful in this conversation too for people who uh, maybe have a hard time even with the, um, you know, why is it bad to get drunk thing, or mm. why is it you know maybe is there any good reason I shouldn't be getting high or whatever else? You know, I just I only drink at home or I'm not driving. I mean, like even those kind of things to try to argue that away is to, to kind of ask that, why why do you feel the need to do this? Like, right. what is this? What's the motive? Yeah, what's this replacing in you or what's this providing for you? Um, what's the, you know, what's this, the problem that you're solving with this? Because mm-hmm. um, generally there's a there's a more God-oriented solution yeah. to whatever we're trying to address with yeah. those substances. And I think it goes beyond so even even things like alcohol and cannabis. It goes back to, it's one thing to to do something. There's nothing to lean on something. Right. So we can cross this over into entertainment. Food. We can take it into um, relationships, food. We can do it into escapism. Like some people, you know, if you're escape, I always say, don't escape your life, live your life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have, I don't mean, AJ have um, a, a friend um, in our area has since passed, but he, alcohol became his escape to deal uh, to deal with stress. Right. And it wasn't because he was trying to prove something. It ended up becoming a coping skill and eventually ended up where his life is gone and his ministry was, was broken. And it was a reminder going, be careful what you lean on. Yeah. Whether that be an entertainment, escapism. I just, I'm always reminded going, because the Bible says trust in the Lord. 
And second you lean on something, you're trusting it. Yeah. So we, that's, that's what I love about this filter thing that you're setting up for people, too, because like that same filter for should I drink for works, anything. works for should I get high, but it also works for should I, should I date this person? Yeah. Should I? Yeah. Like, yeah. should I be friends with this person? Should yeah. I, you know, should and, I play hockey five times a week? Totally. Right. And, it, and it becomes it teaches people like when we teach people that it teaches them a skill set yeah. that then they can use in the million you know, less obvious questions of life yep. uh, as opposed to just going like, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I know that I shouldn't date a girl who drinks. Right. Um, but she could be, you know, some sorceress or whatever otherwise. <laughs> as long as a she sorceress. doesn't drink, we're good. Yeah, you know, yeah. it teaches you some of those, those filter things. Yeah. Of, you well, know, pa- like Pastor Brent said, this only applied for alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Ma'am, have you been drinking? No. All right, then. (laughs) Pastor Brent approves. Sorry, back to your seance. I said to ask that question. (laughs) Can you tell me, is the spirit we're contacting sober right now? Because i got to think about that. Was this this spirit an alcoholic in a past life? Because... Can't what do was, it. What was their blood alcohol level when they died? Yeah, yeah. Can they, is, there, is there a breathalyzer for ghosts? Did they inhale? Did in they a inhale? funny way, though, in a funny way, that's what religion is. Yeah. That's what religion I mean, we're joking and goofing oh, off it's about it. What's the what without the why? It, totally. It's like it's yeah. like taking this filter and, and, and wrongly appropriating it as this kind of whole worldview. Well, there's people that are religiously married. They eat, uh, eat at the same table and sleep in the same bed, but they're not married. And by law, they're married. But the why has left. Right. And that's why we need to wrestle these questions. That's why Jesus didn't say, here's who I am. He said, who do you say that I am? Because he wants us to wrestle through this. And that's what this is. There's a bigger question than, give me a rule. How many beer is right. is sin or holy or how many? Yeah. It's it's a bigger question of what's in your heart, yes. what's leading you, and what are you hungry for? Jesus came to embody the law, right? It's 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 a, it's a, It just takes the shape of a person, yeah. not – not a not a, like a platform or a system of rules. Um, one of the, the last thing I said about it in my message was like really at the at the at the end of the day, if you're going to a substance to replace the someone who is Jesus, yeah, that's trouble. that's when you're in trouble. Yeah. Yep. Now, something I would say to people who struggle with some of that stuff too, or who uh, who see this kind of rule or law or standard and don't understand behind it is one of the things my dad taught me that's been super helpful for me. Uh, we grew up in a farming community. Um, Sustown. Sustown, born and raised. Dairytown. And uh, I wasn't actually born there, but I was raised there. Yeah. On and the playgrounds where, where I spent most, most of my days because there was nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> and one of the things he said. Cow he goes, tipping next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, never tear down a fence until you know why it was put up. Uh, like never if you were to take over a farm and you go, I don't see what the point of this fence is. Don't tear it down until you know why it was put yeah. up. And so one of the things I would encourage maybe younger believers to do, I don't mean age younger, I mean yep, newer to faith. Yep. If there's some of those standards that you go, I don't know why why this is a thing, give the benefit of the doubt yes. to the smart people who love Jesus, who went on before you, mm, and, and assume that there is, a reason. until you have proof otherwise, assume there's a good reason for it. You just don't understand the reason yet. Yeah. Again, for take the the issue of alcohol. Far better to go three years in. I realized, oh, I could have a beer yeah. uh, with you know while I watch the game or while I have some pizza, and mm-hmm. that wasn't a big deal. And I 
yeah, I missed on three years of beer, big deal, yeah. than to go, who cares, and wind up in way worse shape because you go whole hog with alcohol yeah. or with some other substance. And so I'd always, it's hard, and I, I grew up in church around all those rules but didn't always get the why right. and tend to have a real kind of questioning, cantankerous, yeah. cynical kind of mindset. And I, I remember the day that that kind of penny dropped for me is like, oh, a bunch of people who really love Jesus right. and who were a lot like Jesus. Like we're definitely whole. They had a lot of rules that I didn't understand why they had the rules, but I, even in their heart, I could see like there's there's holiness there. There's right. something legit there to go. I'm going to I'm going to let them kind of metaphorically at least have a chance to argue their side of the case yes. before I go tearing down this fence that's that good. they built we'll for me. That. That's huge. <laughs> there, yay! That, that's, that's huge wisdom and props to your dad on both the just the, the, the punchy illustration and the cultural contextual contextualization of yeah. saying that to you in, in Dairytown no less. Like, see these fences, son? Yeah. Anyway. Don't tear them down until you know why someone yeah, built them. It's really good. Really good. I think too, I think you know, from your generation, I, I know you guys are both a few years older than me, but we, I'm, I straddle the Gen X and the millennial line. You guys are Gen Xers. Yeah. Um, I think from Gen X, definitely into millennials and now like Generation Z, there is a not just a dismissal of fences that were put up, but almost a skepticism. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't know anything. Um, like I know that really started to come into play with my generation because it was probably the first time in history because of the way the internet came on the scene and you all of a sudden had these kids who were more quickly averse into the digital world than their parents that the natural order of parents passing down things just kind of got inverted probably for the first time in history and i think that's what really kicked the millennial generation that attitude of well you don't you don't even know how to like right click on a mouse so why are you telling me how did, you know? I think I think millennials uh, kind of tend to take a certain pride in tearing down a fence too. Like yeah. it's, it's seen as a good thing. Like I there think it comes from that. I think yeah, it really yeah. does. And then I think the the next generation behind them, the Ys or whatever, the Zs, Zs, Zs. There we go. Yeah, the Zs. I think I think they're coming to the point though, and I think this might be an opportunity for those who do ministry with I them. Agree. They don't even know the fences were there in the first place, right? right? And so to say, like, hey, there there are people. Who live like this? Yeah, I remember uh, the guy was not Generation Y or Z; he was X. Um, but a guy who was fairly new to our church, fairly new to faith, went on a missions trip with a bunch of the guys from our church, and they're all laying awake in bed one night uh, in the like dump bunkhouse at this mission compound, talking about life and everything else. And as often happens when you got a bunch of guys in a room, especially a lot of them were single. They start talking about dating and romance and mm-hmm. sex and and uh, and most of these guys, good Christian boys, they're waiting until they're married, right, right? right? They're not sexually active, and and I remember him saying, he goes, laying there, it was like I I realized I was sitting in a room full of unicorns, <laughs> like, <laughs> like or eunuchs, one of the other. <laughs> he said yeah. I had heard of the concept, yeah. But I didn't realize there were actually people who lived that way. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, like I think he was kind of like, like, like no, but, but for real, you, you don't? You really don't? Yeah. yeah. And they were all like, no, man. Like, yeah. that's not what God wants for me. Yeah. And uh, and I think we're going to see a lot of that with uh, with Generation Z yep. is it's going to be that like, oh, that's a thing? Yeah. Living that way is a possibility? And in some ways, I think it's easier to start with people who are uh, ambivalent to fences, like yep. just don't even know about them, than people who are hostile Agreed. to them. I think I, you guys, I love your opinion on this, but 
I do think that pre- presents the church an, an awesome opportunity because I do think like the Generation Z are are the ones that are going to be the most hungry actually for totally. some like p- someone put up a fence. Well, you talked about that. Some guidelines. You talked about that inversion that happened. Yeah. With like how to right click. Yeah. And that's just the thing is is I do I think that inversion happened and that, and we've got a and even the tail end of Gen X was yeah. that way, uh, but. But we kind of got this, we devalue the wisdom of the older generations Correct. but because we have more knowledge, but we don't have more wisdom. Right. Right? And I think people are going to finally wake up and go like, value wisdom. being able to, to look something up on the internet does not tell you how to actually well, live well, life. Right. This, the latest update was how to judge how much time you spend on this thing. Right. And there's a thing called screen time. So they're trying to get you off your phone, whereas... Seven years ago, I'm like, why would you limit this? We have the world at our fingertips, and now they're going, you know what? We need to go back to putting our phones down. Uh, One Republic has that song right now called Connection. Can I get a connection? It's like, put your phone down face-to-face. There's restaurants, cool restaurants saying, you can't open your phone in here. And seven years ago, I'm like, what do you do, man? You're cramping my freedom. The people that are living in that are going, we want to go back to... Um, board game cafes are coming. Out of, right. what, why? Because we're going back and putting those fences back in. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing how it goes in full circle when you understand the why of it. Yeah. Well, and there and there's no, again, there's no like there's no app for wisdom. There's no technology right. for wisdom. Like there's no if your marriage is in trouble and you and your spouse are, are falling apart at the seams, that tech knowledge or that act like you can read a thousand books, but that you need some real life on life stuff and you need some people generally i think in your life who can put fences in place for you right like if you're i mean i've been in the place in my life before going i am dumb enough i'm like i'm the sheep i can't also build the fences in certain parts of my life in certain times right and so having some people who can just go like no just don't do this even if you don't understand why yet So this is the church so we so information is a travel agent churches are tour guides and the difference with a travel agent is they'll book your flight and say, I hope you get there on time. But tour guide takes you along the way. But even this podcast, what it's saying is we're not going to give you information. We're going to wrestle it with you and take you through it and show you where we messed up and where we excelled and why we do the things we do. That's why you can't – I don't believe we had this conversation earlier in another context. That's why online church is great information. But at some point, you need someone to take you by your hand yeah. and be a tour guide right. um, in conversations outside of a stage, outside of a room. And go. Here's how I do it. Yeah. And my 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 the way I live wasn't because of information, because of a face that walked me through it and said, "Here's where I messed up, and here's where I excelled." Right. And because I respected them, I framed myself to that. So Huge. That's why this is so important. Huge. So one more question on substances, and because we didn't really hit this, you know, the the cannabis thing. Although you put it into the the same kind of framework, I agree on the intoxication thing. Do you guys have any uh, opinion or data on the thing The thing that I am not as averse in? And I did some research. I talked to some doctors, talked to a stoner friend, like trying to get a feel for can't, is there a place for a believer to like to toke, you know, to, recreationally? Yeah. Do you have any do you have any opinion well, on that? Let me let me flip a little bit. I'm not going to answer your question. I want to be a good politician, but here's, yeah, my con- yeah. here's my concern with it. Can I deflect? Is is we're creating really weak adults. So the statistic came out that the same stress on young men going into battle in the Second World War, they did brainwaves is the exact same level that young men going into high school are facing right now. Wow. So the brainwaves it's the same level of stress. So what happens is, 
is there's what stressed me out at, in at age 12 is the same stress I'm dealing with now at 43. But looking back, it wasn't the same situation, but it felt the same. Right. But I built coping skills. So when I delayed on that project, it was due. I never forget. It was a project on killer whales. And I was due the night before I had to do it. And there was no internet. It didn't exist. We had to go to the library and do you know your Dewey Decimal System? And but my we were a middle class family. That? You don't even know. <laughs> Google it. We had an encyclopedia. We were a rich middle class family. And I remember I had to do a three page report on Bristol Board, and the encyclopedia had half a page, and I couldn't cut it out. And I remember I, the stress I felt with of procrastination and all this. It's the same thing I'm dealing with the pastor with the church, but I learned a coping skill at twelve. The next time, something about cannabis it lends it to escapism. Yes. It's all like the whole, I can't even, uh-huh. I can't even. Yeah. It's my, I just got to go home. I just, I just got to get high. I just uh-huh. got And what happens is I think we're delaying building muscle that we're going to need. So when you don't get that job, yeah. you, that girl walks out of your life, you don't get that promotion. You don't get your class schedule and you go and go, I just need to escape for a minute and get high. All of a sudden you're going to be 40. And when your wife has that miscarriage or, or all of a sudden you lose your job. You won't have the muscle that you should have built at 17 yeah. when you couldn't get into university and you had to go work for a year. I, that's my concern with this is it, it's, it's delaying the growth. So we have the yeah. information but not the muscle. Which is actually the heart of God in your life is to actually grow you. Like the thing we the thing we we said again we don't you don't it doesn't you say, want to grow weed but God wants to, to grow, grow you good good <laughs> no but it doesn't actually say in the scripture anything about marijuana so we had to look at yeah. what's the spirit's work in your life and this is what Paul was getting at in Ephesians where he said don't get drunk on wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. the work of the Spirit in your life is to help you engage reality and enhance your your perspective and perception Not numb and, and just yeah and yeah. and pot is really there to help you escape and evade yeah. right and so yeah I, I mean my my take on that would be similar to my take on alcohol basically being you know uh if you sit on your couch in your basement roll up a fatty and smoke it are you going to hell yeah uh Probably not because of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. might be, but probably yeah, not because that's, of that. That's not the... But it, to, to me, that'd be the same thing as, you know, and if I sit and drink a beer while I watch the game, you know, I'd be in a pretty similar state. Although, uh, you know, there's really not that middle ground with, with weed between, the, between, you know, there's no, like, I, I toked, but I didn't get high kind of a yeah. thing. Or if, I mean, if you are doing that, you're probably doing something wrong. The thing the doctors told me and both, and yeah. my my recreational pot user friend. I thought you were going to say uh, your dealer. No, I don't, I don't have a dealer. He does, but no I don't high like the most high. Uh, yes. Just th- that there really isn't that yeah. uh, social window that yeah. there is with alcohol. Like mm-hmm. some alcohol, you're going to it for the exact same reason. Like you're taking a shot. Like I don't, I don't really know like Christians yeah. why you would take a shot. Cause really you're, you're, you were going for the, uh, you're not even trying to taste it. You're opening your mouth and you're yeah. dumping it down your throat. You're, you're trying to you get the effects, not yeah. not the. I mean, I, I think I've I, I've heard people make arguments, you know, and and I, they're not invalid; they're just inadequate. That you know, you you don't hear nearly as many stories about someone getting stoned and then going home and beating their wife, or you know, those yeah. kind of things in terms of negative outcomes. Um, but I do think all those same principles apply uh, yeah. in terms of of yeah, what are you trying to escape? What why why are you leaning on this versus God? That kind of thing. Um, I do think, and this isn't the question you asked, I mean, I do think it's a very different con- conversation when you're talking about uh, legit 
Medicine. medical. 100%. Right? Um, like I, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a, a place for that. And mm-hmm. I have I have friends who like under a doctor's care have been prescribed cannabis as medicine who for them, the smoking of it is more effective than some of the other modes of transmission or sure. whatever. And, and to but me, they'll go to the a, same conversation as it's true that the number one, I think it was a couple of years ago was nighttime Advil for people that take the edge off so they could go to sleep at night and they didn't, they weren't in pain. It's the same thing. Like you take Advil for pain. It's that's what it's there for. Yeah. And in this case, if you're in pain and this is actually treating something, yeah. um, it's different than escaping yeah. stress or your life. Yeah. And as Christians, like, I mean, there, I mean, you can find some, Christians that just don't do medicine, yeah, because uh, that's lack of faith. They I, don't live very long. They don't. But they do. They <laughs> no. believe hard. They do. The they're, they're cranky. God, God yeah. bless cranky, them. Yeah. They don't. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, and that's yeah. that's the. Totally I guess I, I just want to be careful when we say like, is it okay to toke? Yeah, I mean, again, you you couched it well, but I to would, say like, if if that is the delivery system that, in cooperation with your doctor, makes sense medically, yes, uh, then I'm not here to tell you one way or the other. I would be. But, I would encourage a believer to try to, if if it's available, to find a different delivery system. Oh, absolutely! Because like you can get it in pill form, cream yeah. form, oil form. I, just, I, I have friends who are yeah. on it medically, yeah, and they've yeah. said that like, or I, I've got one friend in particular who, uh, if it's like he's got the the oils and some of those kind of things, but uh, some days the symptoms that those are treating for him uh, are strong enough that those don't touch it, and for some reason, smoking right. it does. Uh, and again, it's one of those, I think you'd have to be in a pretty severe situation. This yeah. is a guy who had chronic pain issues for years and was on opioids for years and all this kind right. of stuff. Right. And so for me, even like smoking is probably a worse way to take it even for your health. Yeah. But it's one of those, at some points you're, you're kind of bartering between, do I want a, a miserable life where I yeah. die of something, yeah. at, you know, it's- 85 or do I want to die at 78 and have had some sort of quality of life or whatever. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't think there's any reason. The data on it as a, as a medicine actually is growing. Like I, I interviewed two Christian doctors. One of them is like, just like really geeking out on like the yeah. possibilities of this plant for medicine. The other ones also agreed that there are some things that it truly is showing like that it is a valid form of medication. He said though, one thing that's not fair for it is people are running with this assumption that it's helping all kinds of yeah. things. And that's just not really true. It it does help certain ailments, but not everything. All right. I, I think I was just going to say, yeah, I think this, I think the science on that will continue to evolve. To, yeah. to evolve. And, but I do think too, at the end of the day, like I, I was in a conversation with some people with this the other day and somebody said, you know, I think it's just a placebo effect. Mm. Right. And I'm one of those, I'm like, Hey, if it works, if it rubbing works. that oil yeah. somewhere or whatever, like if that takes away the pain, who cares whether yeah. it's in your head or in your sure. nerves? Sure. You know, like to me, if it's a placebo, don't tell them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just let them go on yeah. being relieved of that symptom. It'll be interesting. Like if we could have this sit down 20 years from now and just see socially and economically yeah. what the implications are. Cause we haven't actually lived in a country where that's. Yeah. And when, when you common. talk medicines too, it's like, how often do you hear these like FDA regulated made in a lab, whatever. Right. And they get pulled because it right. turns out they're killing people, right? right? Yeah. And so, you know, science is not an exact science. No, that's right. That's <laughs> and, right. And you kind of got to roll with what the best wisdom is at the time. All right. So let's change gears. I want to talk about like depression, discouragement. Uh, I mean, we live in a day and age where people are more discouraged on a daily basis than ever. You kind of hit on that a little bit, Mike, just on measuring how people cope with stress and the things that stress people out at the same level that dudes who are running into trench warfare were feeling, yeah. you're feeling in high school. 
And that's more of a statement on on not just like that the pressure shifted, but our ability to actually manage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we live in a time, I mean, like where mental illness is 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 huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, depression is huge. Despair is huge. Um, and, 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 and even suicide as well. I mean, I think yeah. the suicide rates are higher than ever before. And it's and it's happening in people younger than ever before. And so we, we just cracked that open at our church uh, last weekend just to have that, that discussion around it. How do we as believers understand the whole spectrum? And I know there are isolated conversations within that and that mental illness and being suicidal aren't necessarily the same thing. Um, there's a lot of questions that come with that. But I, I want to get your guys' opinion because I know you both have uh, personal experience in some of some of these areas. I know, AJ, you've battled with mental illness yourself. Yep. Um, and so let's start let's start with mental illness. Let's start there because that I mean that's something that's affecting a lot of people. I and, always start with mental illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> every day. Yeah. <laughs> pop, yeah. So yeah, but that, I mean that's that's a fair question because you have there's stigma associated with it. Um, a lot. I think although it's better than it used to be, I think yeah. there's more more data and people understand that a little better. But how do you, as a man of faith, as a pastor, how do you understand the fact that you have, uh, you struggle with this, this kind of fact of life? Yeah. Like, well, how does that, how does that work out in your life? Yeah. Well, so as I've, uh, I mean, quick background, I was diagnosed with uh, major depressive disorder three and a bit years ago and mm-hmm. have been on meds for it ever since. Um, and for me, uh, kind of getting my head around that was, uh, well, I mean, it wasn't a long process in, in terms of just being willing to go seek that treatment and stuff because just stuff got so gray. It was one of those, like, I just like, there's gotta be something, right? right. Like it kind of was a, a desperation thing. But, uh, one of the, one of the most helpful things for me, uh, well, and, and yeah, I should say there's two there. I mean, there's two sides of depression, right? There is a, uh, an emotional side uh, which, you know, depending on who you talk to, emotions are ultimately all chemicals too, but there's a chemical component to mm-hmm. it, right? So like if you talk to someone who like their, you know, boyfriend just left them and their cats died and they lost their job and they're going, man, I feel really down. Like you're just sad because yes, your life is that's terrible, sadness. <laughs> right? Yeah, like that's, yeah. and it might last for a while, but mm-hmm. that's a different thing than clinical depression or anxiety or whatever else. Do you think there's a lot so, of people that are caught up in what is sadness and calling it mental illness? Or is that an assumption from a guy like me who doesn't actually have mental yeah. illness? And um, Maybe, yeah. maybe. But I think most people, like very few people go to it. I, I think there's people who would say I'm depressed, right. which it's one of those. There's like small D depression and capital, right. you know, or there are people like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so stressed out, which is a different thing than actually having like a chronic anxiety condition, right. that sort of thing. And there is a connection between the two in that like enough of those hits can push you to that place uh, where there is a more clinical thing. Right. right. In the same way that, you know, uh you may have a sore knee, but not a bad knee. Mm-hmm. But if you get a sore knee enough times, eventually right. you'll have a bad knee. Right. 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 Okay. And so that's helpful. Yeah. And so it's it's not there's both, and it's not always either or. Um, and I think there's another there's a, a an aspect of I mean there's a it's studied that that uh, mental illness has a genetic component to it, like it's a thing that can be handed down. Okay. Uh, like if you, there's a history of mental illness in your family, it predisposes you. Doesn't guarantee anything, but it predisposes you more uh, to that. Uh, at least that's. I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, but that's my understanding. Um, 
Are you a non-medical doctor? You said that like you, yeah. there was another doctor you were. Well, uh, I'm a doctor of doctor of love. These mics really want you to make you say that, don't you? I, yeah. I'm actually uh, scheduled to, to have a conversation with a guy uh, coming up here soon whose actual name is Dr. Love. Nice. Like he is a, he has a doctorate and his last name is Love. He doesn't work in your children's ministry, I hope. Okay. Uh, no, he works in our headquarters. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not with them. Dr. Ed Love. That's anyway, uh, yeah. And so I do think there are people, particularly when people are young, like teenagers and stuff these days, I think there's an almost a fashion right. around it. Uh, around like, oh, I've got so much anxiety. And they really, I mean, it's uh, sometimes it is and sometimes no, I'm, it's I'm just hearing 10-year-olds going, I'm stressed. When yeah. I was 12, I didn't ever use that word in my life. Right. Well, you, you didn't even have the vocabulary. I'd say, yeah. say it was it. a really bad, tough day. But yeah. they're saying like, I'm so stressed right now. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think there's a sense of, yeah, the, the, there is a trend side to it. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, the people who are really wrestling with this, it's been a long, hard thing. Yeah. And it's usually something they've kind of, not. I don't want to say succumbed to, but you know what I mean? Right. Like it's not, no one... No one in their right mind gets up going like depressed. That's going to be my thing. Right. Or anxious. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think for me, the thing back to the original question that was the most helpful in kind of getting my head around this as a, as a condition I have that is not an indicator of my spiritual well being. Yeah. Um, not that it doesn't have impact on my spiritual life. Uh, we're all kind of in the same way. If you don't get enough sleep, that's going to have an impact on your spiritual life. Yeah. Right. But, uh, there's a guy who's a comedian, actually, not one I would recommend, uh, but who also has struggled with a lot with mental illness. And one of the things he said, uh, he said, if you have uh, a problem with an organ in your body, say your liver, and there's a chemical that it doesn't make enough of or that your body doesn't process, right? Like, say, insulin. Mm-hmm. You take something that makes that work right. Right. And uh, he said... It's the same thing. There's a chemical. There's an organ in your body. It's your brain. Right. There's chemicals that it doesn't either make enough of or process correctly. Yeah. Serotonin, dopamine, those kind of things. And you can have a condition where you need to take something. Right. To help make that chemical process happen. And so for me, uh, I talked about this in my church once, and I said I, I view being a Christian with mental illness the same way I view being a Christian with any other illness. Right. Could God heal me from this? Absolutely. Sure. Would I love him to? Yes, I would. Do I ever pray about it? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, uh, God always takes me to, to Paul uh, where he talks about, you know, I have this thorn in the flesh and I beg God to take it away. And he just keeps saying, no, 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 you're going to be weak yeah. and I'm going to be sufficient. And that's how it's going to go. Right. And so for me, I feel like uh, at least in this season of my life and I, would love the Lord to decide it's time sure. for a new season. But for this last three years, uh, it's been a lot about learning how his grace is sufficient in my weakness, yeah. as opposed to him deciding to restore me to, to full health and mm-hmm. strength in that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful. You said something too, cause I, I, I did a series on worry back in the spring of this year. And I was asking you some stuff cause I'm, cause again, I don't, yeah. I don't have mental illness. I don't struggle with depression. I have bad days just like everybody else, but yeah. then it moves on. Uh, so I was trying to ask you, like, help me understand, you know, like the role of medication. And you were saying something about how it's kind of like it doesn't fix the problem for you. It gives you the ability to na- to navigate. Like, totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. You it, use the light illustration. The light. Like you turn it like turns the lights on. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't clean the room, but it turns the light on. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Or I, another uh, another, you know, kind of way I've heard it said is it doesn't necessarily like pull you out of the ocean. Right. But it puts a life per- like it puts a life preserver around you that keeps you from going all the way under. Right. Yeah. And so even for some people whose whose depression 
And I know I know way more about depression. I've never had an issue with anxiety. I don't worry. I'm not yeah. like I never am afraid. Uh, I I don't understand how people have both. Honestly, like I'm not saying they can't, but just my. I'm like, how do you, how are you depressed and anxious? Yeah, like, depressed me, like almost lends itself to to, to lethargy. I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I'm depressed, I don't care about anything. Right, right. I'm not worried about like I'm not even worried about bathing when it's yeah. at its yeah. worst, yeah. let yeah. alone yeah. you know a comet hitting the planet right. or whatever. Right. Um. But yeah, when when uh when you've had you know whatever the hits just keep on coming or you've been you know my father had issues with stress mm-hmm. and anxiety due to work stuff and um sometimes the those natural causes that aren't based on a genetic predisposition right again kind of beat you down to that i don't have a sore knee i have a bad knee thing and sometimes even short-term meds are what's necessary like for you to be functional enough to get therapy or to go to counseling or whatever to help you kind of out of that um and so yeah for me i think you know i, I often joke that about half of my job these days as a pastor is just telling people to take their meds uh, we have we have so many so many people in our church who struggle with this yeah. stuff who, who who and you know I'll see people and they're like you know whatever I don't I don't want to be on my meds right yeah. I was like dude you know take your take your meds and then and go to counseling it's, and talk to people and pray about it but. it's not a and it doesn't take any any like credit from the greatness and glory of God to celebrate healing through medicine one no. of the things that's helped me I mean we because we have people some of our most like faith filled people at our church that have really pressed us forward, even in praying for miracles and seeing breakthroughs and stuff. And we have, we've seen actual like physical healing have been actual physicians. Like we have, we have some of those godly people here that are actual doctors who both can pray for supernatural healing, but also see the value of, you know, part of God's grace in your life being sufficient is that he gave some doctor somewhere the wisdom to be able to put together a medicine that can actually help your neurons fire sure. the way it needs yeah, to. Absolutely. Right? Like, well, and, and I think to this, uh, I, I pick up a lot of times. I think the church that uh, broadly, I'm not talking about any specific, I think the church is doing a better job of understanding that there is a very physiological component to mental illness. Right. It's not just emotional in the sense of like, it's just a feeling and just power well, through. Yeah. Just suck it up. Yeah. yeah. Come well, on, and the man. thing We're is, this is, what I, this is what I always tell people too. I, people say, well, why don't you just, right? Mm. When someone's mentally ill. And what I try to tell people is when you're mentally ill, that's what's broken in you. Right. Is your, why don't you just. That's huge. Like it's, it's not a, I want to sit here or I want to not do this or I want to, the, the, that thing that you tap into to just go mind over matter, right? Our, our mind is messed up matterly <laughs> right, you know what right, i mean right and so and so uh i think the church is starting to get the the, the get that figured out but i think when in our theology we need to if we understand it as a physiological thing then we also have to treat it the way we treat other physiological things right, right. and so if someone in your church is diagnosed with cancer you'll pray for them but you don't tell them to skip chemo right and if someone somebody in your church has uh arthritis you pray for them Right. But you don't tell them to stop taking their Tylenol or whatever. Right. right? And do you believe God could heal that? Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. have you seen it? Probably. Yeah. But you don't just default to. Right. Either you're like and you wouldn't look at that person and go, man, what a bad Christian without arthritis. eh? Like you you have little faith. Yeah. Or you you never go like, man, really? You got diabetes? Like, is everything okay with you and Jesus? Right. You know, like it's it's. uh, And so I think we need to start seeing it a little more that way. But in the same way that. You know, with a lot of health conditions, there are things you can mm. do to help and change and improve. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think it's so it's not a it's not a surrender to it. 
Uh, it's not like a just mental illness happens. Yeah. There's no hope. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's also, a, yeah, come at it from every angle you can come at it and be okay with the thought that some people, that's just going to be part of their deal. Yeah. So kind of the day-to-day, I think that's super helpful for the day-to-day Christian who's just, they're, they're in the battle. They're in the fight for that. Yeah. Um, there, there are situations, and many of us have been affected. And I, know, I know you have, Mike, especially uh, with someone that used to be in your youth group that, you know, you, you battle with mental illness. And there are situations where Christians end up taking their own lives. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important we talk about that because all Absolutely. kinds of questions kind of come to mind, right? Especially for people who don't battle with mental illness at all. So don't understand even how yeah. you can yeah. get in that kind of, that kind of frame of mind. Um, you know, Mike, what, what's your, you know, just let's, let's lob the, you know, the suicide <coughs> conversation mm. out on the table. Like, how do you process as a believer you know, we obviously know thou shalt not murder. Yeah. We all obviously know as a Christian, like it, all of us can deduce you don't do that. And like, it's very, very simple. So how do we, how do we process as believers? The fact that there are people who love Jesus yep. that have done that. Uh, the first thing to be transparent is I don't know. Mm. And I think it's okay to say, I think some, you know, the, we, we want people to be authentic. And I think it's one of these things we're walking through and working through and, and struggling with, um, I think for me, you don't know someone's, you know, the whole thing of don't judge my journey is kind of a hashtag. Don't judge my journey. Right. You don't know where someone's at. And that's why, you know, God looks at the heart. It's not the outward appearance, even looking at, was it, um, uh, David, David with Jesse's, you know, um, but heart. So there's that, you know, faith is a private thing, um, that we live publicly. So mm-hmm. we don't know where someone's at. I can't help but go to, and it's not just because like, man, this person committed suicide. I love them. Yeah. So they're in heaven. Right. But I do believe the reason of the, you know, the age of accountability. Sure. You know, in children, you know, you know, a child dies hit by a car at two, but you know, they didn't confess their faith and baptized and living a life of discipleship and memorizing scripture. Go care. They in heaven. I do think there's something with mental illness or, de- you know, deep depression where they're not in their right mind. Yeah. And I, I do believe there's a grace there. I do too. Um, and I don't understand it in fully, <clears throat> but I do believe that, you know, the, when I was growing up, the argument was, you know, if no one's ever heard there is a Jesus, you know, indigenous tribe in the middle of this country and they die, they never had a chance to accept Jesus. That whole argument, did they go to heaven or not? I believe there's something about, you know, what you're accountable for, what you know you're accountable for. Right. Information's power. Yeah. And I believe at some point, if you're not in your right mind, I do believe the goodness of God. You got to go back to God's character. Mm-hmm. And the situation I'm thinking about of someone in my life, it's the goodness. I know they love God. They were angry at God, but I know they love God. They believed, you know, they confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that he is Lord. They had a hard time following his direction right. or even maybe hearing it, but they believed it. And that's um, the qualification for heaven. Yeah. Right. That's it. It's not, it's not yep. the life you live. Yep. Yeah. And uh, for me, I believe there's a whole thing of you're not in your right mind to be able to make a choice. And then I also believe it's the whole, um, at the end of the day, you don't know where they are in their journey. Right. They know. So I have more questions than answers. But I do believe there's a grace of God's character um, based with, you know, not in the right mind to be able to make a choice. The great thing about faith is it is a choice. That's the freedom. Choice is the greatest freedom we have. Yeah. And then we're slave to those choices. I choose to step out of my wife or be faithful to my wife. Right. And if your choice is broken, your ability to make sane choices, I believe there's a grace there. I do too. I think the thing that gets hard for people is like, but you're a Christian. Like you're supposed to know better. And it's like, we probably look at that differently than other sin, other sins. Right. And it's like, 
I was thinking about this. I didn't talk about my sermon because I chose with the sermon to just, I wanted to just give people the equipment to deal with discouragement. So I didn't really talk about mental illness or suicide, really. I just yep. set that up as a, what do we say to help us not get there? Um, but I was thinking about this, like for suicide, if, you know, if I go home tonight and I get in a fight with my wife and I'm just being a jerk, like I'm not, I'm not being the husband that I know the scripture commands me to be. I'm being selfish and self-absorbed and just a child. And I walk out of the house and I slam the door and I get in my car and I drive off and it's snowing outside and I, I slip on a turn and go into another, an SMT and I'm done. Yeah. I died in sin. Like I died acting in a sinful state, making stupid decisions, being entirely selfish yeah. in a moment of weakness. I don't think that takes me out of heaven. Yeah. I, I confess my sins. Uh, you know, I, I put my faith in Jesus. That's entry into heaven. I think the same thing can be applied for Absolutely. the believer who takes their life. Yeah. We, we would all say you're being entirely selfish. Uh, it's a moment of weakness where you clearly aren't in your right mind. You aren't mm -hmm. thinking clearly or what honors God or other people. Um, I think, I, I think that that, that, that kind of would, would transfer in that, that scenario that like, yeah, I don't think God's going to judge your eternity because of one moment of weakness. And, and I do want to say this, and I know we're kind of maybe jumping ahead and maybe want to come back to where we are in the point. I do want to jump. Um, there is, something so spiritual about suicide oh it's yeah and i think it was 1774 there was this book i heard a, a friend preach on this and i just thought it was brilliant called and there's a thing called the werther effect now there's a story about i think it was called like the the uh, the, the young love of, of of werther about the story of a young man who lost his girlfriend 1774 this novel and because of that he shot himself with a pistol and suicide rates started um, escalating in the states people started reading this book in 1774 they banned the book there is something about yeah. copycat. It's yeah. proven that when, whether it be Anthony Bourdain or, or is it Lincoln Park and yeah. suicide, Kate Spade, it, it, it's all like it, a matter it of weeks. Spikes. Yeah. And I believe what you reward, you reproduce. Mm -hmm. And reward isn't just what you know. It's whatever you give time to. And there are people that are struggling, and they'll attach to something. Going, I feel enough of that. And I just I, this line I, I talked about it Sunday. You know, said. You know, don't make a permanent decision on a temporary problem. Yes. That's why I think part of our job as a church is to preach seasons and hope. Yeah. Going like I, I go back to Judas going, if you just hung on a little bit. Yeah. And the whole thing of anything, whether you walk out of your marriage or take your own life or quit a job is don't make a, a permanent decision on a short term problem. Yeah. And that's part of the I love technology and we're globally connected, but. You know, when I was growing up, you never heard about suicide. In the paper, would be, you know, died suddenly. Yes, and you were sure if it was a car accident yeah. or suicide. But now, like, you know, I would challenge people listening to this podcast right now to go into the subscribe button and comment and just comment me. If your life has been affected by somebody in your circle taking their life, not you personally, someone, maybe you struggle or someone you know, I, would, I bet there would be hundreds of comments because it's only increasing. And I, I think it's one of the frontline um, battles that we have to lean into mm. as a church because mm. there's a there's been a not a celebration of it, but because there's been attention put on it, there are people that don't have the same coping skills mm -hmm. that go, you know what, I want to escape. Yeah. And uh, I, I spent two years traveling full time, 
And the number one call I would do for be depression. And I'd say, it's more than just a bad day. It's more than just sadness. It's like a darkness. It's been a long time. You can't escape. And you feel like you're drowning. And I'm telling you, 80% response rate. Yeah. 3,000 people, you'd have 2,000, 2,500 come to the altar. It is an epidemic in our youth right yeah. now. Um, and I believe for every giant, there's a God wants to raise up David's. That's why I really respect AJ even, you know, on social media talks about I'm having a bad day mentally. And, and it's not venting. It's like a healthy vulnerability, but he's leading through it. I think as leaders, we need to have these conversations. Yeah. This podcast wouldn't have happened five years ago. I think, I think though, to have that, to flip the, you know, to flip the lights on though, that this is a spiritual conversation too. And like, there's a difference between depression and oppression, mm-hmm. right? And like, there's the depression component that we, we do all agree that there's a physiological thing there. There is also that kind of darkness that I believe is a spiritual thing and that needs to be battled in its own right. Not just, I need to take my meds. It's, I also need to like have the mind of Christ. I need to know how to actually recognize the spirits. And I think suicide ultimately is, that is the enemy having his way with someone. Like he is trying to destroy people. And like, that is such a, I was at, we had a service a couple months ago and we sometimes will do these prayer times and we'll just say, hey, we're praying for these things today. If anybody, if anybody's feeling this, just put your hand up. And we'll gather around you. And we'll we'll pray. We'll pray over that. And we got praying, and God kind of prompted me to pray for like just for people who are suicidal. And you could feel it in the room. Mm-hmm. Like you could feel the spiritual shift. Yep. Like God, God was doing work, and there were spirits at play that God was like, I'm, I want, I want after that. And I think you're, I think you're bang on. Like I think the church needs to really approach this conversation from a spiritual and, and, standpoint. And take it even further is like, this is, I love social media. Uh, follow me on social media. It's AJ Thomas at, you know, uh, <laughs> he's, but you're a good follow on Instagram. Legit. I, I love, I love it. I do like, I'm not that guy going technology, but I do love it. But what's happened now, it's like, it's like cast away the movie. It's like you're dying of thirst, but you're surrounded by salt water. Yes. And what happens is it gives the illusion of connection, but it's isolation. When I was growing up, you knew who your friends were because you'd see their bikes on someone's lawn. And, or hmm. you go to school Sunday, uh, you go to ch- uh, school Monday morning and, oh, there was, a birth- there was a pool party on the weekend? Oh, oh cool. Now people in live time right. are seeing things they're missing out on. Yeah, I'm not there. And it gives the, it gives the illusion of connection. Like friends would be like, yeah, who'd you hang out with? Oh, this guy, this guy, this guy on Friday night. But they're actually in their own home online playing Fortnite, and they were with their buddies but not in the same room. Yeah. Statistics and science has proven. You take a newborn who is, is in intensive care. They say the mother or father needs to touch that baby yeah. through the incubator because if it doesn't get human touch, it'll die. Uh, prisoners, it's torture. Solitary confinement. It's in, in uh, prisoner of war camps. They put them alone. They go mentally crazy. Yes. The problem is we are alone, yeah. but we think we're – it's like yeah. the Matrix. We think we're with people yeah. all the time. Texting, we're with each other, but we're on our phones. Yeah. And I believe we are surrounded by water. We're drinking, but we're, it's killing us. We're starving for connection. That's why local church matters. Yeah. There's something about being in the same room, slapping a guy in the arm, yeah. being a little sarcastic, being spiritual, being real, playing basketball, yeah. going out and, uh, and having wing night together. There's something chemically God made us. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that Adam was with God in the garden? He walked with him. The Trinity was with, with Adam, and God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. He wasn't alone. He had God. Yeah. God's not enough for man. Yeah. 
He said, you need a woman. Yeah. You need, you need, you you need, need companionship. companionship. Yeah. I believe a part of this is linked to we've never become more isolated. I've never seen suicide spike and depression. Yeah. I believe some of it could be hormonal and food and all that stuff. It's got to be linked. But I do yeah. believe it's community is is a part of the solution moving forward. 100%. Real community, not just online. Yeah. I believe that. I want to I want to circle back to what you were saying, Brent, about the spiritual component of, of suicide and mental illness in general. Um, that I think there's two errors we can make when we're thinking about this. And one is to uh, make it uh, only spiritual. Right. Or make it only Correct. physiological right. yes. or right. make it only emotional. Right. Um, or only communal. Right. Yeah. Right. Or make it or make it uh, all three. But because we don't have a solution to one of those, ignore the solutions we do have to the other. Right. Right. Body, soul and spirit. Sure. Right. Yeah. So so for me, uh, I think, you know, the question of like for me is is depression physiological? Yes. Is depression spiritual? Yeah. In this, at least in the sense of like the enemy is a jerk. Right. And he'll find where you're he's, weak. He's squeezing on your weaknesses. Right. For exactly. Sure. And so in the same way that someone who uh, like is owning a nice car, uh, is that bad or just what just the case that you mm-hmm. own a nice car? Like, sure. If you go, man, I could feed all these orphans or I could buy a sixth nice car. Mm-hmm. Then for you, owning a car has become an issue of spiritual attack yeah. in your life, right? Like there's a greed or something there that the enemies, or again, we talk about when you're overtired, you tend to, when you're, when you're sick, you're not at your best spiritually and the enemy will try to capitalize on that. Right. right? Or, Jesus was hungry in the desert and that's where the enemy came at him. Exactly. Right. Right? A natural weakness. And so I think one of the things that, that that's helpful is to go, uh, my depression in and of itself may not likely isn't, uh, a statement of my spiritual weakness hmm. in terms of distance from God, but it is a place of weakness in my life. Right. And the enemy will absolutely capitalize so on that. Yep. And so it, we can't, you can't say I'm a terrible Christian cause I'm mentally ill. Right. But you also can't say I'm mentally ill. That's just how that is. And I can leave that on a shelf somewhere yes. and not worry about it. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know how, uh, how far in the ditch we can go on this podcast. Hey, but to, the purpose of this podcast is for wide ditches. So. Well, okay. So <laughs> I may have regret that statement. Yeah, go you're gonna, you're <laughs> gonna, but I mean, if you're, if you're gearing up to play some sort of contact sport, at least as a guy, there's certain areas you protect all the more. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Because what are, what, well I'm not following you. Which yeah. area is well, this? I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think it's that same thing is to go like, this is a, 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 a an area of, again, not weakness in terms of character. Like one of the things I always say is uh, like depression, anxiety, their, their weaknesses uh, or their illnesses, not weaknesses in the sense of it's not a lack of character. It's not a lack of, right. of love for the Lord. Right. It's not necessarily a lot. I mean, you know, you could have all those things and be mm-hmm. mentally ill, but those are different related, but different issues. Right. right? But so, so I know I, you know, hear people say stuff like, you know, I think there's an attack of the enemy. I'm like, I think it could be both. Like, I think this could be a weak point yeah. in you that the enemy is attacking. And it could just be the enemy. And yeah. it, but, but you know what I mean? Uh, but that's like the devil's a jerk. He always goes for those things. So whatever your mm. weak point is, whatever your low point is, whatever place he thinks he can worm in access, wherever your defenses are low, that's where he's going for. Yeah. 
Um, when it comes to suicide, I mean, I want to just echo what you said, Brent, about, uh, you know, I, I, I think there are many situations where it is uh, an, uh, an unaccountable action because of the, the mental state someone is in. Um, but at the same time, even if it is a fully morable, morally mm-hmm. accountable thing, I don't think that, you know, uh, I'm as Wesleyan as they come, as Arminian as they come, but I don't think we lose our salvation yeah. in that sense. Yeah. You know, I think you can give it back. Yes. And I think if, you know, I think if the sin you committed before the bus hit you was saying, God, I don't believe in you and don't want your love in my life yeah. and take your grace away. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, sure. I don't want to be you. Um, but yeah, I think, I think God's grace is sufficient for that. Um, but I think I, I've, I've never been to the point of legitimately being suicidal. Um, but I have absolutely been to the place where I see how it makes sense. Right. And I think we need to be, if I can, uh, in a way that is kind of a, being a jerk, Mike, if I can push back to like to, to describe mental illness to someone as a temporary problem is super harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's not temporary to them. It's all day, every day right. and it has been for months or years. And so it's not the same thing as my girlfriend dumped me and I got to get through that or I lost my job. And my and thing I was, that. was suicide itself. Not, not it's a temporary solution. It's, te- it's an eternal solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. And, and well, it, really it is, is, but, but I'm saying they don't see it that way. Sure. Of course not. To them, it's the only solution to a permanent problem. And I think we got to approach that with all the compassion in the world. Um, and I think when we're, if you're talking to someone who's suicidal, uh, like again, it's not suicide. And I don't mean in a way that like, they're not thinking clearly they're thinking the same way someone who has like, if you had a terminal illness that caused you just incredible pain, like your bones just constantly were aching all over, like, let's be honest, whatever you think about euthanasia, all of us would be going I wish there was a way out of this, even if that was it. Sure. And it's that, but for your, but yeah. for your head. Right. And so I think, I think you just have, we have to go, go slowly with people and help them to realize like we do su- suicide is not going to, isn't going to fix. is going to, this is what I usually tell people. Suicide is not going to take away the pain. It's just going to transfer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to take the pain you feel and put it on other people. And that's what yeah. I'm going And it's going to last, it's going to last longer for them. In my extended community, we have people living through, you know, a young man that was just struggling yeah. and now the pain is now passed on. Yeah. Um, that's why I think it's so important this podcast, but even your leadership is going, Hey, it's not just, I'm preaching from an opinion. I'm walking through this. Let me teach you what I'm learning in my journey. Um, yeah. That's what I love. It's a whole walk alongside. We don't know how we're getting there yet, but we're committed to do it together. Yeah. My whole, my, my whole angle on, on my message was like, this is agreed. Uh, when you're suicidal, it feels eternal. Like yeah. this is not temporary. It's always going to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And the thing I, I told our church was you, you can't trust how you think. No, absolutely. And, 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 and that doesn't just go for the suicidal person as believers. We are fundamentally resigning our mind to the mind of Christ. And we actually yeah. have to start to learn how to think with the gospel. Yeah. So I measure what is temporary based on the gospel, not how I feel. Right. Yeah. So no, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the gospel equips us to, I would say all the more for the mentally ill is like, I just have to like run. I think that's what Paul was getting at in second Corinthians 10, five. He says, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature. So it's not, it's not even about, you know, your feeling. It's not about your, your yeah. body. It's about 
you know, we we tear down strongholds and every lofty argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we do that by yep. taking it captive and make it obedient to Christ. So you yep. run every thought through. That's what I tell people all the, the time say? when I'm like, I wind up counseling people all the time who have mental illness stuff because they go, Come oh, you. you have some idea yeah. what, what this is like. Because um, it is, it's really, it's a hard thing to talk about with someone who hasn't experienced it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't make sense. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it doesn't make sense to you because it's not based on sense. Right. Right. And so you have to have somebody else who's had the same nonsensical experience to understand sure. it. Um, and, but one of the things I'll tell them is I'll say, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like if you've got a car and I've got an old car. And there's like lights that come on all the time, dashboard lights. But actually, I know in that car, it's the sensors usually that are the problem, not yeah. what they're actually sensing. So like my check engine light's been on for like a month and a half. I don't yeah. think there's a thing wrong with my engine. I think it's that same sensor again that last time I took it in. They went, oh, there's a short in that sensor, right? right. Um, and so one of the things I tell people when, you, when, when you're struggling with mental illness, it's, it's actually not your car that has an issue. It's yeah. your sensors. Right. And so you've got to trust what you know to be true. Not what you feel to be true, yes. right? And, and there's all these, yeah, exactly. Thinking, that's what I'm saying. Right? There's all these lights flashing in your eyes, mm-hmm. and you've got a. It's and it's a weird. It's a, like it's. I can't explain how weird it is to figure out how to to not trust your own thinking, right? Because it's not just your feeling; it is your thinking, uh, or it's so strong in your feeling that it bleeds over into your thinking. But I always I wind up feeling like Homer Simpson when he has those like his brain talks to himself things yeah. like, you know, it's like, don't be depressed, don't be depressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's that kind of thing where like or like my, the whole world's terrible. No, the whole world's not terrible. Like yeah. it's this weird internal thing. And I think one of the things that's really valuable in that in that kind of anchoring yourself in what you know is true in Scripture mm-hmm. and uh, ignoring until such time as they align yeah. your feelings uh, or your kind of kind of intuitive sense of things um, does go back to that whole community thing and giving other people permission yes. to say like to tell you that yeah like to I, literally I'll sit down with and people not and I'll like go, you have to fix it either no 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 I just, just sit down with people and I'll just say I'm gonna no 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 you t- uh, you need yeah. the people to talk to you yeah to go let me tell you how you're actually doing yes and man I can't tell you how often I I get to do that for people right but you know I'll have people who are you know everything's terrible and I don't know what I'm doing it's like. You have like, tell me, tell me how many friends you have in this church that are close that you would trust with anything. Well, there's, you know, all right. Do you have a job? Yeah. Do you live inside? Yeah. Do you like, do you love your cat? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, and you, you go and then I go, your life is good. You're fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and they need another voice. Yeah. That's what I mean. Because you you need someone, you need a, you need a, I heard this expression once a guy said, you know, if, if, uh. He's talking about dealing with a family in a situation with a funeral where they didn't have faith. And he said, you know, if they don't have faith, I lend them mine. And right. I think that's a beautiful idea. But I think it's the same idea with like a clear mind. Like if you don't have a clear mind, borrow someone else's. Right. Like have people in your life. Yeah. Well, that's what encouragement who, is, to lend encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Who, who can go. Here's like here's the objective. And we all need that at times in our life. Yeah. Like when your thinking is muddled, you need an outside voice to speak yeah. into that. But if you're mentally ill, like that's the condition. Your thinking is muddled. And having people who can just, you know, even if it's your spouse or whatever, who can just go like everything's OK. Paul is trying to say, though, with taking thoughts captive, yeah. like to learn to think with the gospel, like even on on basic stuff like, OK, the gospel says I don't have the right to take my own life. Yep. It's not mine. It's his. I've bought yeah. for, bought with the price. All those things, like the gospel speaks to those things. So even if you don't have a friend, like I think it's it's contingent upon the church to start to teach people how 
to think with the gospel so that if I don't have, I can't run over and talk to AJ today for him to tell me everything's okay. I need to learn how to look at the cross and let that tell me for sure. Hey, this is temporary. Yeah. Even though it doesn't feel it, this is temporary. I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Yeah. That's that's and, eternal. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like as a discipleship, as a way to disciple people who have mental illness, right? To teach, like to help them, teach them that discipline yeah. by going, like here's the list. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or here's yeah. the filter, and this is true. Here's the, yeah, whether you feel and, it or not. And so, like, if if and you know, I'm not Mister. Like, I don't. When I say I'm talking to people, it's after church on Sunday or mm-hmm. if they make an appointment. Like sure. I'm not their person they can text at yeah, three yeah. in the morning. So if it's three in the morning, but you'd be awake. I would, but I'd be doing something else. You were if working. it's if if if, if, something. if it's three in the morning, you can do this on your own. Yeah. Like, you can walk yourself through this yeah. list, right? So this is the thing too is you know is I do believe every generation has their own battles, and if you're listening to this or watching this, like. This is one of the ones we're in. I've never, I'm thankful, I, I've never had mental illness. I've never been suicidal. But I'll say this. I've never been more aware of my mental health than the last 13 months. Mm. And I am always kind of doing that whole, am I all right? You know, when you fall down, you're like, am I all right? Am yeah. I all right? You ever stand up, you've been sitting down too long, and your legs are asleep. You're like, okay, I shouldn't walk right now. There's been times in the last, like, year where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to walk right now and make a decision because I don't think I'm great. And I've had to make – I know I have friends that have erased social media from their phone, not because they're angry at somebody. It, it just – it triggered something. They go, I don't think I'm okay with that. And there's other people. I'm just – I'm very selfish about my mental health right now. Mm. And I've never been that way in my life. I'm 43. I've never struggled in my life. I've been through some really tough stuff in the past. My life is probably the best it's been in 15 years. And I've never struggled more with – I feel like things want to creep in. I think it is some of the battle we're in in this season of of world history. But I'm just I'm very selfish with my mental health of going. That makes me feel like I'm a little too far spent, and I'm just very aware. I think it's important to take inventory mm. and to be selfish. Going, I need to look after me, not in a selfish way of I'm going to do me and forget everybody else. But am I okay? Am I? And take the time. You know, Jesus died for our sins. We don't have to walk around like we have to. Right. And we don't have to die for the church. Someone said, we're the, we're the sower, not the savior. Hmm. Especially as leaders, we think, I just give sower. my life. Yeah. We're the yeah. sower. Yeah. And at some point, I'm like, you know what? I can't solve your problem if I'm not okay. And I've, retri- I've been a horrible pastor sometimes in the last 13 months because I knew if I gave one more call, one more visit, I'm in a real risky place. Maybe not suicide. It hasn't gone there. But the point where I'm going to be in a slump, I'm not going to get out of. Right. So I, I just encourage us to be more selfish than ever or more aware of how we're doing and try to read yourself. I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's interesting you say it's been in the last 13 months, which yeah. is the time since you started Nova. Yeah. Um, because it is very much uh, like it's par for the course if you're planting a church for the enemy just to pile on. Sure. And uh, and so I think that's, you know, uh, another... some of it's emotional, some of it's physical, yeah. and some of it's spiritual. Well, and that's what I'm and, and the, the spiritual, I think comes because uh you are a higher priority target now uh like there's more to be lost by taking you out right now than ever before right more to be lost for the kingdom i mean mm-hmm. um and the just natural stress and pressure of what you're doing yeah. creates that that weak point for him to yeah. capitalize on right super good and uh so yeah man i i, I do uh I would want to make sure I say to people, like, I'm, I kind of, in some ways, have a reputation as being like the mental health guy or the mental illness guy, or whatever, which is fine. Um, but uh, I do want to make sure, it, you know, being loud and clear to say that 
if you got a mental health issue that's diagnosed by a doctor, treat it medically. Yeah. yeah. But don't presume that that's all yes. there is to it, yeah. right? Yeah. And don't not. and don't see it as a thing that's completely isolated from the rest. I think one of the things I don't. Know, I think one of the things God's taught me through my journey is that we are so much more interconnected than we realize. Mm. And like, if I, uh, one of the things that's the worst for my mental health is if I have uh, some other ache or pain. So like an, like a, if I got a sore foot or a bad back, or if I hurt my right. knee or whatever, right? Like that Your messes up my health. mental health, right? Yeah. Or the weather, like stupid things like yeah. that. It's like so all point kind of tips you. Well, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's all interconnected. Right. And yeah. so I think, uh, yeah, I think we need to approach these things from all those different angles. And some of those angles, there's going to be more kind of more room to move and others yeah. there are, there isn't. I think that's um, super helpful. But yeah, it's, you can't like, it's, it's not people who are mentally ill have no faith or are possessed by the devil. Correct. Yeah. But it's also not, if you have mental health issues, it's then somehow that gives you a pass yeah. on the enemy attacking you or totally. there being sin in your life or you needing to grow in your You'd faith. You'd be wise if you have mental health issues to realize that's just an easy door for the oh, enemy. Yeah. And, and it, like with anything else, right? If you, if you, uh, if you find a weak area in your, in, a, in, a, in any structure, yeah. right. Uh, or a weak, you know, piece, then you strengthen everything that's around it. Like we're, I'm looking at a window right here. This window is a weak part of the wall. Right. And so there is a big thick header inside the structure of the wall over it and under it and thicker posts going down the side to help carry that. Right. right. And so if you have, if, if mental health is a weak point for you, then spiritual health and physical, and, and, physical health. and relational health, those right. just become all the more important. Right. Uh, but also do what you can to address the, the mental health part. Super helpful. I know we're three preachers and we probably could just go forever. So we, we did hit on technology pretty good. One thing, one thing I really want or quickly want to answer, because I feel like there's, there's some appetite out there uh, when we talk about the suicide thing really quick, we're, we're going to be done in a second, but like assisted suicide as a believer where do we land on that? Because let's just have some compassion first and just say there are some people who have horrible living conditions. Yeah. Um, and you, we now live in, in Canada. I was uh, our community group we host at our house. We had this discussion. One of the one of the ladies that's in our groups, a nurse, and they do it on her floor at the regional hospital. Yeah. So it's uh, it's here. People are opting to die. Yeah. And so where do we, as people of faith, I have an answer, but I want to kick it to you guys. I I get it, the yeah. desire for it. Sure. Um, although I think in some ways the appetite for it uh, is a symptom of our incredibly suffering averse culture. Yes. We don't have a, a theology or a framework to help us see any sort of value or good in or nobility even in suffering. Right. Uh, so I think that tends to be it tends to inspire people maybe to to look at that earlier than they should and call it humane. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean, even to, to like, there was a, you know, you take every war movie you've ever seen. There's the scene where the guy's like shot and blown in right. half and, and he's just not that. quite dead yet. And they put the bullet in them to, to Finish you know, put him, him out of his misery yeah. to save him 20 minutes of, of inevitable pain and death. Yeah. Um, versus now where you got people looking at saving themselves 20 years of a lower quality of living or yeah. whatever. Right. Um, and so I think that's part of the conversation. I think, uh, but I do, I, I mean, get, I don't, I wouldn't want to die a horrible, painful death. I really wouldn't. And yeah. if that became inevitable, um, I would, I would want to end my life. But what does what I want have to do with what that's, I'm supposed to do? That's right? the question. Like if I live my life the way I want, 
there'd be a lot of things different. Like with the way I naturally, instinctively right. want to. wanting's part of the problem. Right, exactly. And so I think for me, uh, it, it does cross that line of like you're taking a life. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't take a life. You're playing God. And yeah. And, and uh, I think that although I probably in a vacuum, like in a world where there was only me and three other people or whatever, could get my head around a moment where it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, whatever, like I just stepped on a landmine. I've literally blown in half. I'm an absolute agony, but it's going to take me another 20 minutes to bleed out or whatever. You know, uh, I could get my head around that. Maybe not as being the worst thing in the world. I think that it opens a door that's not worth opening. Yeah. You know, for the point zero 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 one percent, we always chances, go to the worst case scenario right, too, where where maybe you could somehow get there. Yeah, uh, I think opening that door, uh, and and I'm not a slippery slope guy. Like I'm not. That's uh, to me. Yeah. I'm you know, if, if it's a slippery slope, put on cleats. Um, but I think it. This is a situation where I think it does. It opens. Yeah, it opens it up, and I think it's gonna. You know, it's it's going to turn into some kind of new version of eugenics. Yeah, I don't. Th- I just don't think you're as a believer. It, you fundamentally have subscribed to this fact that I believe in God, mm-hmm. and God decided when I would be alive. Yeah, and He ultimately gets to decide when I'm not. Yeah, and I also believe in a God who demonstrated the fact that He brings meaning to suffering. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I also, I also think that we have lost a view of eternity. Um, we have put ourselves at the center of this story, and it's, it's, it goes counter to our culture, but we are just a page in a larger chapter, in a larger book. Right. Um, and we are, not the, we are not the main character of the story. Yeah. And when we do that, we put ourselves, it's about me. And again, I have not been there. God, I hope I'm not there. I have more compassion the older I get in a lot of things. People struggle with a yeah. lot of things. I just think eternity is a long time. Yes. We don't talk. We don't preach about eternity. We don't think about eternity. This is just a moment and Hebrews 11 is all about people that didn't um, cut suffering short, yeah. but leaned into it. They died and said, in it. This, yeah. this is my lot, and I will run with it. Yeah. And um, again, I've not been there. I have Agreed. compassion. But I just think it is a, we, are, we are a vapor of breath in a larger yes. thing. And we have to get our mind. That helps my stress level. Mm-hmm. That helps me thinking that my church is really, really important. Yeah. That helps me thinking that it really matters. You know, all the lot of things. It's just a blip. Yes. We are not the center of the story. You're a vapor. We're not. Huge. Yeah. So we hit most of the things I wanted to. Let me do this as a kind of final outtake. We kind of talked technology a little bit in there. And it kind of wove over the, the mental illness. Give me, give me one. If you give one word of advice to our listeners about social media. Here's a, here's a hack for healthy social media consumption or usage as a believer? What's, what's it going to be? Um, you don't need to be polite on social media as far as afraid of unfollowing or following, meaning there's some people thinking, we've ruined the word friendships. Like, oh, I can't unfriend somebody. I believe, again, to protect your mental health, your being, it is, it is if something you see, it's not them, maybe they're completely right, but it's triggering either jealousy or comparison or even just distraction I believe you need to protect yourself um, and don't apologize for unfollowing. I've yeah. unfollowed people. Like, you don't follow me anymore. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> need to give you a reason for that. It's not you. Yeah. It might be, it's be me. Yeah. Um, at the other time, let me say a positive side of it. We've never had a chance to be mentored by amazing men and women 
that we may never get a chance to have coffee with right. and get a real glimpse um, that those that do it well and authentic of struggles and wins and what a time to be alive. I call it Frankenstein mentoring, where it's the head of one person, the arm of another, where I can I can glean from world-class leaders like a Brian Houston, mm-hmm. you know, and other people and, and get a bit, what a time to be able to get information for the assignment on our life. As the pace picks up, we can learn at a faster rate. And I think it's fun yeah. and have fun with it and do your life. And if you post thinking someone else, what they're going to think of it, not in a, not in a responsible way, but in, I a hope value. they like it. Or if you go to it for your source for anything, if it causes a reaction inside of you, step away from it. Yes. Um, I think it's supposed to be fun. Have fun with it. Don't overthink it. But do know that what you reward, you'll reproduce. Yeah. Um, and be very mindful of it. But I think what a great learning tool. And I celebrate it um, in moderation. You follow the Mike Miller, right? It's the Mike Miller. Real Mike, Mike Miller. Real Mike Miller. Not the fake Mike Miller. Real Mike Miller. Real Mike yeah. Miller on, on Instagram. Really. Are you on, you on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we don't tweet only, as much. It's only me and AJ are only left on yeah. Twitter. AJ is only I, on Twitter. Said no, so, I left it. Twitter months ago. Oh, really? That shows yeah. you how much I'm on it. So I, 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 I followed him. I I'm only on that. Facebook, but some <laughs> of us don't have personal profiles on there. We're only yeah. public personas. I, I have my face in the book. Y- y- so. Here's a fun fact. The reason I went to the public figure thing was exactly this, yeah. though. It was the – this is – I I can't keep up with this. I'm yep. having access. I'm, so really – I'm it a felt public, negative. That's why I'm I went a public. public figure on Facebook, not because I think Which I have very some, anti-Atlantic oh, Canadian. I really, I, I totally get how that sounds. The yeah. reason I did that is I just I, I want to use that as a ministry tool. It's a billboard. It's yep. a one-way conversation. You know, yep. to all my great King's Church people who who message me on Facebook, I don't get it. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and that's just it's not a channel yep. for me. Yeah. My my uh, my advice. I mean, kind of few overlapping things one uh one for me at least that that i find helpful is uh if it's not fun stop like if you Mm -hmm. get to the point where you're having pointless arguments or trying to defend stuff that you know you're having a conversation on there that you wouldn't have in real life like that kind of thing like it's just nitpicky or fighty or right like just there's no obligation like there's no law in the universe that says you have to be engaged on social media and so if at some point it becomes discouraging or stressful or frustrating just don't yeah uh like it's not a requirement for life uh it's it's to me it's like if you're watching a movie and it's boring you shut it off yeah you know what i mean like you don't you don't have to finish you're obligated to it i have a a rule in our church an unwritten rule that if someone starts with i saw on social media i'm like okay i'm not taking this serious Mm -hmm. except people say "Uh, my kids weren't invited to your kid's birthday party i saw on social media i'm like no it wasn't a church event that was my kid's event or why wasn't i invited no no that's that's that we're not going to live in that world. Yeah. Um, it's been a cause of a lot of things. Yeah. And um, so it, right, it has to be fun. Yeah. Or if it causes a reaction, you got to look at that. I, uh, and I, tr- I try not to connect with people on social media that I, I to me, social media is a, is a method of uh, efficiently keeping up with people. I would really like to keep up with mm-hmm. in real life. Right. And so like, uh, you guys would be examples of that, 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 and I've got like pastor friends from far flung places who, uh, like that's the best way for me to, like, I just, you know, don't have the, the time and the bandwidth to like text each one of them individually. Right. Oh, oh just they celebrate their the anniversary breeze. in Mexico. Really cool. I'm yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, Hey, this is a new thing they're doing. That's cool or whatever. Right. Um, and so for me, like, I don't, I'm not trying to build followers. I don't have, uh, 
for me personally, this is probably irrelevant to most of the audience, but as a pastor, I'm not friends with anyone on Facebook who goes to my church. Huh? Uh, just category, like not even my staff. Yeah. Uh, cause like if, if you want to talk to me, come to me, come to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so it's either people who mostly it's people who don't live in the same city as I do, or it's people who live in the same city, but our circles are different enough that I wouldn't bump into them. Otherwise the point is you use social media. You don't let social media use. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's yeah. how I connect with the people I want to connect right. with. Right. Um, and yeah. And, and then, uh, the other, <laughs> the other thing I would I would say about it. I'm not the only one hearing that, right? Is yeah, no, that's, you're not having a stroke. Um, the other thing I would say Heart about toast. it, yeah, is is you don't owe people. Sort of like you said, you don't owe people engagement there. Yeah. Um, and so, if someone sends you a private message, you get to it and you get to it. Yeah. Like you don't have to stop in the middle of supper to answer it, or you right. don't have to not, like. To me, it's just a it's it's not real. Uh, in the sense of like, if someone from, this is why I don't follow anyone from my church, so they can't send me messages. But if someone sends me a message via Facebook, that's not on my list of people I need to get back to. I probably will eventually. Um, but not in the same way as if someone calls my office or sends me an email at work. Like to me, that's a, yeah, no, there's that's someone I should, I should acknowledge at least that, that they've contacted me. Um, I don't follow, I don't follow my own father on Instagram. AJ is notorious for the, the greatest auto respond emails like you know how you can set your email to do auto respond some of his are legendary like hi i'm currently on vacation and he describes what i he's don't doing care about like, your message i'm anyway. having more fun than you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys my pants don't have a button because yeah. i'm on vacation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been uh it's been a pleasure yeah, it's man. been super helpful, and I know the people, not just the King's Church, but the extended, you know, online family who will watch this will uh, really be helped. So thank you, thank, thank you. you for taking the time. And if you made it to the whole end of this hour and a half, probably I will now show John. you my belly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we love King's Church. And we love what you guys are doing in our region, and uh, it's a huge encouragement yeah, to the is. broader community. Awesome. And uh, so legit to the to the King's Church family. Thanks for the way you help set the pace in Atlanta, Canada. Awesome, our privilege. I'm gonna. That's a wrap. Listen to this. Listen when, the, when, when you. That's when, what Freddie Prince would have heard his whole life. When, when you close it. No. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Woo.